Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Kia ora. Welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Jordan. I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys, and a lover of all things birth, and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate, and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, And with this podcast, you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care. And this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Jess. And Jess takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories with her son, Harry, and her daughter, Holly. Jess talks us through two pretty different experiences, so they were pretty much polar opposites in terms of birth and postpartum. Uh, Jess had pretty similar pregnancies with both children, but yeah, the first time around um, definitely could have gone better, and I'll let her do um, a better job than me of talking through that, but definitely things happened that shouldn't have, and Jess wasn't treated the way that she should have been during her birth and postpartum period. And that impacted how she was feeling and her mental health and, yeah, had a big impact on her fourth trimester journey. And she ended up uh, falling pregnant with Holly only four months after Harry was born, so quite quickly. And that was a conscious decision um, between Jess and Drew, her husband. So she talks us through that small age gap and what it was like being pregnant when she had, you know, another small baby to look after. And then a really healing and positive um, second birth experience where she felt listened to and like she was making informed choices and it's just really nice to hear the difference between Jess's two stories because like I think she says at the end of the episode um, things were really different for her the second time around and she just felt listened to and her first birth didn't inform her second in terms of um, assuming it would again be a bit of a traumatic experience so I just think it's really lovely to hear Jess talk about the two different births and postpartum periods and I'm super grateful that she was willing to share with us so I will let Jess do the talking now and we can jump into it. Hi Jess thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi thanks for having me. No worries would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Sure so I'm Jess Ehrlich I'm from Christchurch I'm a mum to two little ones, Harry and Holly, who are two and three. I'm also a writer and an author, and um, I share a lot of my pieces on my Instagram page and website. Um, But I also have two poetry books and, most recently, a children's book on emotions called The Rainbow in My Heart. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. I'm a huge fan of your work. I um often when I'm having a bit of a shitty day I'll go and find <laughs> one of your posts and I'm like oh I feel so like seen by you so yeah for sure big oh, thank fan. you <laughs> thanks no worries awesome so we're gonna have a bit of chat bit of a chat about your um pregnancy and birth and sort of postpartum journeys today so do you want to talk oh. us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you with Harry yeah sure so Like mentally, it was a long journey before it even got to that point because I actually never considered myself overly maternal. Um, Like obviously I cared for other people's children and all of that, of course. But um, like the second someone brought a baby into the office, I never sort of jumped up like all the others. Um, I don't really know why. Like I did love babies, but I didn't really fancy one myself. I sort of felt like nervous holding them or like doing something wrong. So it just didn't really feel that natural to me. So, yeah, I told Drew when we met that I sort of, well, not right when we met, but I sort of mentioned that I hadn't decided, honestly, if I wanted kids. 
Um, but then as our relationship evolved, um, I changed my mind and, you know, now here I am writing poetry <laughs> about how much I love them. Um, but yeah, fortunately we got pregnant really quickly and um, we were so, so excited when we found out, went through lots of sticks as well, just to make sure yeah. that the light getting darker and darker. Um, yeah, I just almost couldn't believe that it was true because the concept, even now it still eludes me yeah. that like we actually grow a human it's your body knows what it's doing and you don't need to know what it's doing so um yeah I was just amazed yeah yeah awesome and did you have many early symptoms in that first trimester did you notice that you were pregnant sort of once you found out you had a positive test or yeah what was your first trimester like um I didn't actually have any symptoms other than fatigue and sore breasts um so it's quite easy keeping it a secret at work because there was no morning sickness um, though I wanted to tell everyone. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it sort of felt like weird walking around in public. Like I sort of had my own little secret. <laughs> yeah. And it was cool because, like, it was ours, but I also really wanted to celebrate it and I really wanted um, that bump. So it was kind of like proof to myself that it was real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. And did you choose to go with a midwife for your care or what did you decide there? Yeah, yeah, um, I did go um, with a midwife. Um and yep, yeah, she was she was really good um, in the beginning, but I sort of felt like throughout we didn't really gel. I sort of I think like one of the most important things is is if it doesn't feel right for you, um, you should make that switch. Yeah. And I think I probably should have done that myself, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Cool. And what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like? So did you have any other sort of symptoms that popped up along the way? And did you do the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? Did you find out the sex? Um, well, my, pre- my pregnancy experience after the first trimester was really great. There were no complications. Yeah. Um, I did have pretty bad ligament pain in my hips mm-hmm. and some pretty chronic heartburn. Yeah. Um, I remember drinking Gaviscon from the bottle at my desk. Oh, my God, same. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. Um, and I used to sort of spring out of bed quite a lot with some really awful leg cramps, which would freak Drew out because he thought I'd be going into labour. Oh. Um, but, yeah, and I'd, you know, pack all the pillows around me and make this huge fort. I don't know why I didn't just buy a pregnancy <laughs> pillow, but I didn't. I had like 100 pillows, so I was like, I can do this. I can make it work. Um but yeah, God, I miss I miss sleeping on my tummy so yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I had a really easy pregnancy actually. Um, yeah, so definitely can't complain about about anything with that. Yeah, awesome. And did you do the testing like the twelve and twenty week scans and stuff like that? Yeah, so we had. Um, I actually had an eight week scan. I had to have more scans than usual because I had irregular cells on my cervix. Okay. So. I had a let's procedure um, and then I think it's a bit of a blur to me to be honest, but the cells came back as a regular when they had come back as completely normal. So that was like a really big mm. you know, gutting. Um, so I had quite a lot of internal scans. Um, so yeah, a lot more scans than, than usual, but with each scan, everything was looking really good. Yep. Baby was healthy. Um, we found out at the 20, week scan I think it was um that he was a boy and yeah. um, they just told us in the room it was yeah nothing overly special but we were like yay yeah um yeah and I'm just going to skip forward though about the irregular cells it was actually pregnancy that cleared that right up for me so oh, okay um yeah yeah so that was it all ended up being good news yeah cool Awesome. And did you do any like antenatal classes or birth education before or in preparation for your labor and birth? Yep. Um, we did some antenatal classes and I'm really glad that I did actually, because I ended up meeting a couple um, that my husband and I are really great friends with. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, actually she ended up um, birthing her baby right next to me in the same, you know, like oh, in the wow. room next to me. Yeah. Right, cool. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I did find about antenatal is that while parts of it definitely serve a purpose um I knew nothing much other than some books that I had read Mm. and I didn't know how to change a nappy and you know there were definitely parts about it that I was like oh gosh I'm so so glad I went to these classes um but I sort of wish that they talked a little bit more about the effects on women who 
are unable to breastfeed or there's there's probably a, another side to antenatal that I feel like they should cover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And did you have many thoughts on like a birth plan or um, ideally how you thought your birth might go? Um, not really. I had a sort of a loose birth plan. I wanted to birth in the hospital because yeah. I was a bit nervous, I guess, with mm. being a first birth and everything and um you know I really wanted to trust my body and lean into that side of knowing what I was capable of and listening to what my body was telling me but again like it was my first time so yeah I just didn't know what to expect um so I did want to be in a birthing pool um but we were sort of like well let's just roll with what happens on the day and just see what happens so I was very kind of like let's just go with it yeah yeah yeah, awesome. Cool. And what about preparation for birth? So I know um, there's lots of stuff that we talk about now, like antenatal expressing and perennial massage and drinking all the different types of teas and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> did you do any of that in preparation for your birth with Harry? Yeah, uh, towards the end, I did have some of that raspberry leaf tea, I yep. think it's called. Um, I don't know if that actually did anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, I had like a Swiss ball, um, made a wee playlist, nice. had the massage oil, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you know, thinking all of these things were happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, packed, you know, my hospital bag probably four months in advance, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I think I downloaded from some mummy blogger on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, probably just all the usual, usual things. I think I did get a stretch and sweep as well. Yeah, no, I did. Um, it was with my first and um, it, like in hindsight, I probably didn't need to have it done. I was only um, two or three days over, but I just, my hips were yeah. just killing me at yeah. that point. Um, it wasn't a nice experience though. So yeah, I probably didn't need to get that done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And did you end up going into labor spontaneously? And um, when your labor started, how far along were you? What was the, I guess, the start of your labor like? So I was about three or four days over. I can't remember exactly uh, when it happened. And I just remember some sort of niggling pains in my lower abdomen. But it wasn't too bad um, at the beginning. And I sort of mentioned to Drew that I wasn't even sure if it was labor or not. Mm. But we started to time the pains. And they were just all over the place. Um, and I remember my midwife sort of drawing like some kind of graph explaining to me <laughs> that if they weren't regular to wait until they were and however far apart they were supposed to be. And like now I can't even remember. And even at the time I couldn't remember. So I was like, oh, like, what do I do? Do we call yeah, it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was probably at about 9 p.m. Um, we were just sort of parked up on the couch. Things started to get a little bit more intense and the contractions were definitely closer. So mum came over um because I really wanted her there as well and to support Drew and I just sort of sat there breathing through it Drew was rubbing my back and um yeah I just I remember him calling the midwife not too long after that explaining that it had become really painful um but it actually wasn't my midwife we she was away on holiday so her, it was her on call who I'd right. never met before yeah. yeah yeah and um yeah so we ended up um, going to hospital. I was able to walk in at that stage, but um, I was sort of having to lean through the contractions. And, yeah, the next part's like a bit of a blur to me, but I'll tell it the best that I can. Yeah. So we loaded up the car and Drew drove me to the hospital. And I remember putting a towel, like, on the front seat in case um, my waters broke. Yeah. And sort of when we got there, um, I kind of felt like, I really felt like a bit of an inconvenience with the midwife that was there. I know that sounds awful, but she didn't really have um, a huge bedside manner. So this wasn't actually, this was her on call. And I just, yeah, I just didn't feel like I was in a very good place. And yeah. she examined me. She told me that I was about four to five centimeters. And I tried to explain to her that like I was in a world of pain. And she told me it was because um, my baby was posterior. And that was the first I'd actually heard. Like mm -hmm. I didn't even know that he was um and she said look you could be experiencing these types of contractions for two days and that I should just go home um and that shattered me yeah. because I yeah I mean I know a lot of people want to wait at home for as long as possible but for me 
and the pain that I was in at that point, yeah. I just really wanted to be there. Um, I guess I like my body was saying like, it's going to happen soon, but she was saying, no, look, it could be two more days. So she gave me two Panadol and two codeine and just said, look, give me a call at seven in the morning. So we went back home and I remember saying to Drew, like, I just don't want to go home. Um, but you know, we didn't know what to do. So we just did. And when I got home, I just got into the shower and I felt the water was really good on my lower back. Um, and I kind of just hopped from the shower to the bath, even to the toilet. Um, I was just, I just found myself just sitting on the toilet yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just felt like the place to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I couldn't get any rest or anything. Drew was absolutely shattered. So he closed his eyes for a moment and then mum was there just helping me breathe through. And I don't remember the time exactly, but it might have been about 5 a.m. It was still dark. And I said to Drew, like, we have to go back. Like, we have to go back right now. And he tried getting in touch with the midwife and she didn't pick up the phone. Mm. Um, and they were kind of like, mum and Drew were sort of like, oh, you know, she did sort of mention we should wait till seven. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm, yeah. I can't tell my baby to wait till seven. Like, we've got to yeah. go. And um, the drive was really uncomfortable. It wasn't a long drive, thankfully. But um, I just remember... Drew stopping at an orange light and I remember being in the front seat like basically wailing while some party goers were in the car like next to us <laughs> and it was just so weird mm-hmm. um I just yeah I could barely catch my breath so yeah and then um yeah we got there and I was taken up to the birthing ward and yeah yeah, and so what sort of happened from there? Do you want to take us through, I guess, the rest of your labour and then into your birth story? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so we still couldn't, well, I wasn't getting on the phone, but my husband still couldn't get in touch with the midwife. Mm. Um, and the hospital midwives were a little bit funny over me being there without her. I kind of just remember feeling that sort of tension, right. like it wasn't quite normal that she wasn't there. And I remember telling them that um, I felt like I was going to have this baby soon. And the hospital midwife actually said to me, look, don't bring your things up yet because if you were in active labor, you'd be crawling around the ground reaching for the gas. Yeah. And Jess, I feel so frustrated already by this. um... (laughs) It's really hard for me to talk about this. Like I'm trying to do it like a a smile, but it's. um, No, it's not the reality, right? No, no, yeah. and it is it is really hard to talk about because yeah. it really shaped my fourth trimester, but I'll get yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, and it, like in that moment, I just thought, should I do that? Should I drop to the mm. ground and try to the gas? Like, what do you, you know? And um, anyway, then I started vomiting. And um, she then said, right, okay, we should probably give you an examination. And it gets a little bit worse. So as she was examining me, her words were, wow, okay, this is either really good or really bad. And panic just like washed mm. over me because I thought, what does that mean? Like, yeah. what could the bad thing be? Is my baby okay? Like, that's all I cared about. Is my baby okay? And I still didn't know what she was talking about. She just walked out and got someone else to come in and examine me. And um, the other midwife said, okay, you're nine centimeters. You're almost ready to push. And like, I was, I couldn't believe. I'd gotten to that point, um, you know, without any pain relief or anything. Like I was like, oh, wow, you know, I've actually managed okay with a posterior baby. So happy that it wasn't a bad thing. Um, but also my midwife got there, I think, about 20 minutes after that. And the first thing she said when she walked in was, why did no one contact me first? Mm. And we were like, well, you know, we tried. Um, so just the whole tone of mm. everything I was panicked. I just didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel very welcome there. Yeah. Um, just like an inconvenience. Yeah. Anyway, I was having the gas at this stage, lots of cool flannels on my forehead, um, courtesy of mum and Drew, who were amazing. Um, but as I progressed, my waters didn't break and I felt this urge to push. So they broke my waters for me. Um, but as I got to 10 centimeters, like in that sort of transition phase, as I was pushing, his heart rate dropped significantly mm. and mine skyrocketed. And I just I just became delirious at that stage. Um, they'd taken the gas off me because I wasn't pushing properly. 
Um, he had the cord wrapped around his neck a few times. And all I sort of really remember is my husband and mum both looking really worried because the crash team appeared and it just all of a sudden felt like there were 12 people in the room. And I just kept asking, is he okay? What's happening? And I remember my midwife pretty much being pushed out of the way. And um, I, I don't actually know who it was. I'm assuming a specialist said she, he needs to come out right now. And I kept pushing with their guidance because I was absolutely exhausted at this stage. And they used a suction cup. Um, and I vividly remember one midwife was holding the other who was pulling. Mm. And the cup actually popped off. And I just kept thinking, oh, my God, this must be so intense on mm. his little head. Um, but they they were amazing. They did what they had to do in those moments. And I do believe that. And um, I had one nurse, a different nurse up at my face telling me that I was doing an amazing job and that I could do this. And I really needed that. Um, but out he came. And honestly, the relief was just mm. overwhelming. Uh, he was about eight and a half pounds, I think. And as soon as I heard those cries, yeah, I just melted. And I just kept thinking, thank God he's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and did they yeah. pop him straight up onto your chest when he was out? Yeah, yeah. So we got to have that skin to skin, yeah. um, which was really amazing. And he was perfectly healthy. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He was he was perfectly healthy, and that was just that just meant everything to me. Yeah, yeah. And what happened from there? Did you need any stitches, or did they check you over? And yeah, what was the next little while like? Um, yeah, I did need some stitches, but it was just mostly for grazing. So it was yeah. like physically, I was actually okay. Mentally, not so much, yeah, but physically, yeah. I was fine and I actually felt fine. So that was really good. Um, and we were out of there within hours. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, real quick, actually. I think I was there for three more hours and then we ended up going to another hospital for three days. Um, and the nurses and midwives, uh, they were amazing there. Yeah. Um, but on day two, my nipples were really bruised yeah. from trying to breastfeed. And, yeah. um, they were just cracking and bleeding already, yeah. and I was in a lot of pain from feeding. So, unfortunately, after seeing, like, countless lactation consultants, and even with all of the support in the hospital, we just couldn't make it yeah. work. And they kept saying to me, I don't understand it because the latch, it looks perfect, but... It didn't feel perfect to me. Right. Um, yeah, I just couldn't feed without wanting to scream and, mm-hmm. and curl my throat. Yeah. It was not a nice experience for mm-hmm. me, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And so you went to this other hospital, was it for three days, did you say? Yeah, three days. Yeah. 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 And how did you find, I guess, the initial processing of your whole birth experience? Like, obviously, quite a. Um, I don't know if I like, I'm not sure if I should use the word traumatic, but you know, that you didn't have a nice um, experience in terms of the way that you felt there. um, And I guess quite a rush to get him out. So did you process that over the next couple of days or do you feel like it didn't happen until a little bit later in your postpartum journey? Oh, it was definitely much later. Yeah. 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 I, I sort of, I mean, I think you do sort of in a way try and process it because I was having flashbacks Mm. and, but it's hard to really make sense or think about anything, yeah. I think. You're yeah. just sort of still in shock and disbelief that you're a mother yeah. and yeah. Um, trying to, you know, just rest and learn how to feed. And, yeah. you know, there's really not much um, space for anything else mm. in those early days. So yeah, I didn't sure. really, yeah, I didn't really get to process anything, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. And it definitely caught up to me a lot later on. Mm. Yeah. And so after those three days in hospital, how did you find going home and what were those first couple of weeks like? I know it's just such a life-changing experience going home with your newborn baby that you have obviously never had previously. So how did you find um, navigating those next couple of weeks? Um, I experienced some pretty heavy baby blues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was so happy to get him home. Like, don't get me wrong, like it was just – it was a love bubble. I was absolutely yeah. infatuated with him. But, yeah, I definitely had those baby blues. And um, I kind of, like, I remember mum telling me that she had those with me. She was pretty honest about her her journey. But I yeah. just, you know, I had no idea what to expect. And I sort of felt quite lonely, even though I was in a lot of company. Um, I honestly think I felt like I had failed in many ways because I think, like, my confidence was honestly so knocked mm. that, I sort of felt like someone, I know it sounds weird, 
but I almost believed someone was going to, would be able to do a better job um, looking after him mm. than I could. And, you know, obviously I was so, so wrong, but um, I just think the experience that I went through with the birth, yeah, it really knocked my confidence um, yeah. at the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And did you talk, like, I know you have, well, typically you'd have about six weeks of postnatal care with your midwife and I know she wasn't the midwife at your birth um, in terms of the one you'd been working with during your pregnancy, but did you discuss at all your birth in those postnatal visits? Um, yeah, I, I did. Um, and I can't even really remember. I mean, I, I can't even remember saying anything about how, because I, I didn't know if I should be disappointed about anything. And I didn't, like, I didn't say, I wish someone had listened to me or I wish I hadn't been sent home. I didn't say anything like that because I didn't see how it would help. Um, I guess I was just thankful that he was okay, even though I was still a bit annoyed that I guess my voice had been silenced and the language used was so, so bad. But I didn't say anything. Um, And I do remember my actual midwife I was still trying to breastfeed I persevered for a very long time but it was just yeah it was really really tough and she said to me um like I don't want to make it all sound so doom and gloom but I'll never forget she said um when I leave you're gonna cry aren't you and it was like and I was I was on the verge of tears but it was just I just wanted someone to um just I guess be there just be like I see you I hear not like treat me like I was one of the thousands of people that she saw every day and it was just another birth like this is a massive massive thing and you kind of you go into it thinking it's going to be maybe a certain way or that you're definitely going to breastfeed or you're going to birth this way and I think we all know that there are going to be variables but there is a type of mourning that comes with not being able to do something that you had your heart you know and I think that's completely normal and I know a lot of us experience that and I just really wanted some type of um, bedside manner there I guess from and I just yeah I didn't get that so I was really I wasn't sad when our um, visits ended Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah and I guess like skipping a little bit but did you have the sort of social media community at that stage like did you have anyone else that you were able to talk to I know you have obviously Drew and your mum but did you have anyone that you felt like you could turn to and say hey this is what's happened to me and I just like it's not it doesn't sit right with me and I feel lost and lonely did you have anyone that you were able to have those conversations with? Um, There were a couple of people um, I guess through antenatal but not really we hadn't become super close and Not at that stage, um, but I remember kind of like going to like mum groups and stuff and I, no one really felt comfortable sort of putting up their hands mm. saying feeding's hard, yeah. this is hard. Everyone was just like, oh, everything's great, everything's mm. great. And look, maybe it, maybe it was. Um, for me, things were both and I didn't want to admit yeah. that I was finding it really hard because no one else had. Yeah. Um, so not really. I was the first of my friend's to um have a baby so yeah I didn't really have that many people at the time Mm. and I didn't have a social media account then um not not one I have now and I actually ended up just messaging just random people off my Facebook like who I knew who had had kids Mm. um to be like hey um so you know like all those years ago how was the breastfeeding (laughs) because I just and it would have seemed so strange but I just needed to know that I wasn't the only one who could yeah 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 I think um I just find that so interesting because like I sort of had a similar experience in terms of breastfeeding and it was a godsend having those you know people on social media that have become like a little community to me that Mm -hmm. I could talk to about it and I just so desperately feel like I I wanted something like that I wanted there to be Mm -hmm. that for you in this story too because I just think it's so yeah so valuable to have just to hear someone else talk about it so you don't feel like you're the only one in the world that this happens to oh absolutely and that's one of the reasons why I write some of the things that I do I'm so so grateful that it can um make so many feel seen because that's what I yeah that's what I needed in those early days and um I remember once at a mum's group a little bit further down the track I'd you know drawn the line in the breastfeeding 
um, our bond really started to improve. But like I wept, like when he took his first bottle, I just cried and cried. It was so hard. It was like guilt and relief and, you know, all the hormones, all the feels. And um, anyway, I was at this mum's sort of fitness group um, and I'm not really into fitness, but I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. And we're all sitting in the circle and um, everyone was sort of breastfeeding. And then one mum pulled out a bottle and immediately I sort of felt better. And so I pulled out my formula dispenser and then she made the comment to someone, oh, don't worry, it's breast milk. And I just, I just wanted the ground to just open up and swallow me because while I was pumping, like my milk was getting less and less. So I had formula there and I just thought, oh my God, like, why do we say these things? Because yeah. yeah. people that are formula feeding yeah. just feel like a bag of shit. And there are um, so many people that freaking formula feed and it's not because they can't, like for a lot of people, it's not only because they can't breastfeed, it might be because it feels like the right choice for them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just think, you know what decision is best for you and your baby. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I did want to breastfeed and I couldn't. Yeah. And um, But what I do know is that my mental health just had to come first. Yeah. And I finally put that first, but the comments and the judgment and other things that came after just kept sort of knocking me back. So it would sort of be like two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. So it was definitely a journey for me um, trying to process the the breastfeeding journey, which I never thought I'd even care about, honestly. Like I never thought I would care so much about something like that, but I did. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you persevere for before you decided to make the switch to formula? Well, he was two weeks when he had his first bottle of formula, yeah. but I sort of kept trying. Um, I was doing a combination of everything. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> it was like a trifecta of everything. And yeah. I had the cabbage leaves and yeah. then the gels and then the shields and just ev- like mm-hmm. ointments, everything. Um, but I think it was probably maybe at week eight or nine where I just said, no, I can't keep yeah. pumping. Yeah. And um, that's when he was exclusively on formula yeah and I know you just mentioned a little comment before that you felt like your bond really changed then do you want to talk us through I guess what that what that shift was like for you mentally in terms of like bonding with him and just how you were feeling overall once you got past the initial sort of morning of not breastfeeding anymore oh it just it improved so 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 much for me like my anxiety um, decreased and um, things were less tense with my husband and I because every time like I mean he was an amazing support but every time I was trying to get Harry to latch Drew was you know always always over my shoulder trying to help me and I just like, bite his head off because of the pain <laughs> yeah, I was in yeah. um, and everything everything started to improve you know when he would wake I wasn't cringing yeah. um, and I was enjoying him and yeah just I feel like motherhood really started to take shape for me after that so 100% was the right choice for us for anyone listening please don't feel guilty you have to do what's right for you yeah 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 for sure awesome and do you want to talk through I guess um just before we start on Holly's um story how or when did you start to sort of think about um processing your birth a little bit more and um what sort of feelings and, and I guess what sort of um, mindset and all of that were associated with processing that? Well, I started to experience a bit of postpartum anxiety pretty early on. And I do like a lot of that was around the breastfeeding, but it was also around the birth and I guess just a combination of um, everything, you know, becoming a new mum and Mm. um, I've always worried quite a lot. So Anyway, I was experiencing that and um, I battled with that for a while and finally I sort of opened up to Drew and just said, look, I just don't feel very good. Like I'm worrying all the time. I'm having these irrational thoughts. Like I'm always worried about the safety of my baby. I'm worried about other people. Like I'm worried about people breaking into the house. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was constantly worried and, um, you know, he was completely safe, but I, I didn't even really like other people holding him. Like, mm. It was just, I kind of felt like a bit of a prisoner in the home. So anyway, um, and that's just not me at all. And so I spoke to Drew and my mum and they were like, yeah, I think you really need to talk to someone and just unpack all of this. And so I did, I spoke to a counsellor and um, 
that really helped. Like I didn't see them for long, but it did help. I got to, I talked about my birth and just everything. And it was the first time I sort of felt like I had been listened to from start to end um, in a really long time. And yeah, that, that really helped. And she gave me some tools on how to sort of manage um, the intrusive thoughts. And yeah. um, it was basically just, you know, recognizing and acknowledging the thought, mm. but, you know, also realizing that it was irrational and just yeah. allowing it to pass and thinking about something else, anything else. Um, and that really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And so what's the um, age gap between Harry and Holly? One year. One year. Pretty close yeah. together, right? <laughs> <laughs> considering, considering how tough the fourth trimester was for me, yeah. it sounds pretty crazy. But, yeah, we um, were pregnant again uh, when he was four months old. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you find out that you were pregnant? Had you got your periods back um, by then? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. And um, I can't remember when, but yeah, no, I did. And yeah. we made the decision that we kind of wanted to have them really close in age. Um, and there were a lot of factors around that, but mostly just we sort of thought, oh, there's no point me going back to work just to, you know, have to leave again soon after and we thought let's just let's just do it all at once Mm -hmm. um but I did sort of reach out to a couple of people I knew that had two under two and they were like yeah it's mad but you know it's really great now and um but yeah it was definitely risky (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah I didn't really have a lot of time to think about that pregnancy either because I was looking after a baby so Yeah. yeah I forgot to check the apps. I forgot to check how, you know, what size fruit she was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, once again, it was a good pregnancy. Um, I didn't really have that ligament pain because I guess my yep. body hadn't really moved back. Mm. Um, yeah, so similar pregnancies, no sickness, still had the cramps, still sculling out of the Gaviscon <laughs> bottle later on. Um, but I think I think the hardest part about that pregnancy was just looking after a baby, yeah. and just in the third trimester, um, chasing after a a one year old who was sort of just crawling everywhere and kind of learning how to walk. So I was just really tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you go with a different midwife this time around? Yes, yeah, I did, um, and she was amazing. I gelled really, really well with her and she was really kind and caring and nurturing. And that was just what I needed. I really needed someone who was like that the first time around. Um, but because I was also nervous going into this birth after yeah. the last, um, it was just, yeah, I was so grateful to have her, but I actually went privately this time as well. Yeah. Um, and it was actually like, I had no complications, so there was no real need for me to go privately. Um, and like I said, my midwife was fantastic, but, um, mum, I actually think experienced some of the trauma being in the room. So mm. she said, I want you to go privately and I'm paying. So <laughs> it was kind of like a gift to me. Yeah, um, yeah. and it was, it was really good. I did have double the appointments. So I was, it was a little bit harder there because I was seeing my midwife mm. and then having to see the specialists. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Awesome. And did you talk through, I guess, um, how you felt about your past, your previous birth with both of your care providers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like (laughs) they kind of had their mouths open as Mm. I was sort of telling the story, just saying like, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have been treated like that. And um, yeah, just, just repeating like some of the language that was used, Mm. I guess in your most vulnerable moments, they were pretty surprised to hear that. Yeah. and I just remember the specialist who I was seeing saying, this is not going to be your birth story yeah. um, this time around. And I just, yeah, I really needed to hear that. Yeah. 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 And so that was an obstetrician that you were seeing? Yes, an yeah. obstetrician. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you do antenatal classes again this time around or what were your sort of thoughts around birth education? Oh, no, no. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nobody got time for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of remembered every everything really. And it's, you know, it was pretty fresh in my mind, but yeah. Harry's still so young. And yeah. um, so I know we didn't do any of that again. Yeah, cool. And did you work with um, your obstetrician and midwife on a birth plan? So did you have sort of thoughts on how you wanted it to go this time around based on your previous experience or what were your thoughts there? Yeah, so I did mention that for the first time um, I wanted to have a pool birth. And I actually think it was around then that it finally hit me that I actually never had that. I was mm. like, oh, that 
that never happened. Yeah. Um, because I never, yeah, I never really processed that. But um, because she was, they thought she was going to be quite a large baby, and they were a little bit worried about her shoulders. They sort of mentioned shoulder dystocia a few times, which freaked me out. Yeah. Um, I sort of said, look, I might opt for an epidural because they said that there could be an emergency C-section. Like they were really good in how they explained it. There was no scaremongering, but me being me, I was sort of like, ah. Mm. Um, And I did end up going and speaking to someone about the option of a C-section, a specialist. And then I changed, I was like, actually, no, that's not for me. Just with the, um, because obviously like I, I probably, at that stage could have birthed naturally anyway mm. and I thought the recovery period would just be too much for me with um you know a one-year-old yeah. so I was like no we won't do that I'll I'll give this a go but I sort of said to them I'd like to have the option of an epidural because if you do have to do something at least I don't have to like freak out about yeah, yeah. or whatever and so the pool I guess was kind of out because we were talking about an epidural yeah um but yeah yeah, different yeah. experience, that's for sure. Yeah, cool. And do you want to take us through your labour sort of starting this time? So how far along were you? And, um, yeah, what was the start of your labour like? Um, it was quite similar. She wasn't posterior, so that was good. Um, so I didn't find the contractions quite like, – I felt them more manageable while I was at home. Um, and at the beginning it was it was pretty chilled. Like we just put on a playlist, um, hung out on the couch. I had – my mum over but later on as they sort of increased a bit and um, my grandparents as well because they had to look after Harry. <laughs> yeah. um, so everyone was hanging out. Um, and we were timing them. I sort of think I must have missed a few because mm. when my midwife came over to examine me, I think it was about one in the morning, um, and I was, I think, five centimetres at that stage. And um, she said, well, considering your first birth was really quick, um, it's up to you. You can stay for a bit longer, but just sort of be mindful. I'm like, no, no, let's get in there. Um, and like the second I got into the car, they started to really ramp up. And um, yeah, so it was a lot faster than my first. Yeah, yeah. And do you want to take us through the rest of your experience and then into your birth story? Yeah, sure. So um, when we got there, uh, my midwife so she was already there, um, and um, a specialist generally gets there right before the birth, so she yeah. wasn't there at that stage. Um, and it was just, it was totally different. Like, you know, I was being listened to the whole time. I just jumped up on the bed pretty much straight away, um, and I was sort of just sitting there and breathing through the contractions. They were getting really full on at that stage. The lights were all dim. Um, it was just a lot more calm. Yeah. And... Um, I think I was having the gas at that point and then I ended up opting for the epidural and um, I can't remember how far along I was. I might have, oh, I can't remember, but it was, mm. it was getting pretty close and I'm so glad I did. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, like I know there's risks and stuff, but you know, I was fine and um, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then the obstetrician arrived and um she, well, I started pushing like pretty quickly and I could still feel everything I was doing, which was really good. Um, but then at one stage, her heart rate dropped again, just like what happened with Harry mm-hmm. and she got stuck. And my obstetrician was like, okay, we need to get her out really quickly. And she went to grab the forceps. And I, I think because I was in such a calm state of mind, obviously with the epidural, like you're going to be pretty calm. Mm. I just said, like, I just felt like I could do it. And I yeah. said, can I please, can you please not use those? Can I please just try and do this? Mm. So what she did is, this is probably going to sound a bit graphic. I couldn't feel it, so <laughs> it's all good. She got her hands in there and, like, basically stretched me because I just, yeah, she wasn't coming out. Yeah. And after she did that, I pushed her out and um, she was fine. So, so yeah, <laughs> no yeah. tears, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And totally different experience to your first, right, just with, like, the – feeling in the hospital and the language that was used and the way that you were explained things and the option to use your voice and say, no, I want to give this a try. Like, did you, yeah. did you sort of know that feeling straight away that you'd had a different experience? 
100% different yeah. and I and it would have been different with the epidural or not like I was yes. being listened to the whole yeah. way through and um, I just felt like I had amazing support amazing care and because I was being listened to and I guess encouraged yeah. in how I was feeling and how I was progressing I felt confident um, it was yeah totally different and it really changed how I felt about birth yeah yeah and so yeah. you didn't need any stitches this time or you did no, no stitches. Awesome. No. And how long did you stay in hospital for? I think I was out sometime that day and I just went to a, another hospital for three days again. It was a different one to the first time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how did you find going home with Holly? And obviously you've already got Harry at home. So what was, um, I guess, that initial experience, like I can just, I can't even imagine the juggle with <laughs> Jai being even 18 months old. I can't imagine it. So how did you find, um, yeah, I guess those initial first few weeks and adjusting to being a mum of two and also just looking after this little newborn and looking after yourself? It was, it was full on, but I had a lot of support. I, um, I was really lucky to have that family support. I wasn't like alone for the first four weeks. Um, so that was good. But one thing I didn't prepare for, like when I was in hospital, I really missed Harry and, um, I remember us FaceTiming and I just cried and it was like, it was beautiful watching them meet in the hospital for the first time, but he was so young, like he was all hands and head and, (laughs) you know, it was just, yeah, it was like having two babies, but it kind of messed with my head a little bit because I'm like, which baby needs me more right now? And I'd start to feel a bit torn. So I, I did experience a bit of guilt there. Um, but like watching them bond over the weeks and months, like nothing was more special than that. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have any issues with breastfeeding this time. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we really, I mean, it wasn't like latched her on and it was perfect. It took about five weeks for us to get into a good rhythm, but there was no great pain there. Um, I was really, yeah, it was just, it was such a different experience for me. Like it was so healing. It was so amazing being able to breastfeed her. And we did until she was, yeah, 14 months actually. So yeah, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It sounds like um, Holly's birth and then breastfeeding experience has probably been quite healing and just, yeah, I mean, totally different, right? Mm, Yeah, very much so. I was actually the most nervous about having to try breastfeed Mm. again. And part of me thought, oh, maybe you just shouldn't like just, but I, I wanted to um, just because it was something I wanted to be able to do um, for her. Yes. Um, yeah. And I would still feel guilty sometimes feeding her and then, you know, I'd feel bad for Harry and he's fine. He is so healthy. <laughs> yeah. Our bond is amazing. There is nothing wrong with him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was nice to be able to do it and also just not having to faff about with bottles. Like it was, yeah. it was easier actually for me to breastfeed. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And how did you find your like physical recovery from this birth? Were you sort of um, feeling okay and um, like recovered after a couple of weeks or what was your experience like this time? Um, I think much the same. I yeah. don't, yeah, I, I was very lucky with my recovery after um, both births. I yeah. don't feel like there was any um, trauma there physically at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was all fine. Cool. Yeah, nice. And how um, I, how did things progress between Harry and Holly? And like you said, their bond has been, you know, really beautiful to watch grow. So how did you find over the sort of next few months and um, I guess just, yeah, being a mum to two and, and juggling that and also watching them grow together? Well, it was a really big juggle, obviously, having them close in age. Um, and, yeah, especially as Harry was just learning how to walk, I sort of felt guilty that I wasn't able to give him the time that I gave him before. Yeah. Um, but like, as I said, I had, I had a lot of family support. Even Drew's mum came over from Melbourne to help. Um, and it was hard when that help stopped and I was alone and I was like, oh my God, yeah. now what? Yeah. <laughs> what do I like a big shock to the system? Yeah. Um, but I found my stride. It did take me a long time to actually venture out alone with the two of them. Um, but then, you know, like that dynamic became our new norm. Yeah. And um, watching them grow up so close in age is really cool because they're kind of into the same things. And, um, yeah, and I can take them to the same types of playgrounds. I don't know. Like I just sort of found that with them being so close in age, it was easy in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think no matter what age gap you have, you're going to have challenges. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the nights, the nights actually, that was, yeah, we had two screaming babies still all night. We just did not have good sleepers. Yeah. Um, Were they in separate rooms? Like did, did they sleep I, in different rooms? Yeah, Harry was in his own room at that point, yeah. but I think I had Holly in our room till she was about four months old. Yeah. Um, but she was in her own, like, bassinet or cot or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, like, the house that we were in at the time was also a lot smaller, so their rooms were really close, and if one of them kicked off, then the other would kick off. So, mm, I mean, like, yeah. I don't know, I were just chips in the night, yo-yos yeah. between rooms, and it felt like that for, well, two years, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was hard. Like, the nights were really hard. You never just looked forward to sleep, ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we got through it, and things are so much easier now. So you mm. get through it. Yeah, yeah. And is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered or you want to include um, in your story before we wrap up? Um, no, I think I've covered everything. I just, I guess, like, the biggest thing is that, you know, don't let your first experience dictate your next one, like all births and even postpartum journeys are so different. Mm-hmm. Um, remember to advocate for yourself and your baby. Sometimes you need to talk a little louder, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it can really make all the difference for you yeah. as you enter that fourth trimester. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I know that, um, like you said, you don't find it, you know, super easy to talk about Harry's birth, but I think you did a really good job. And it's nice to hear that you had like a really healing um, experience with Holly not long after. So just really grateful that you are willing to share with us today. Thank you. It was actually really good to talk about it. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And I will speak to you again next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.